maybe what I'm getting is the the way Bart sees it is the only way that God communicates with us through covenant is through Christ. The only way. Yeah. Versus yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. versus a bicovenantal system that we understand in covenant theology is you're either on the covenant of works through <laughs> Adam in Adam uh, or you're under the covenant of grace through Christ. And uh, I don't think he liked that by covenantal kind of system. And I think that <laughs> that disagreement with covenant theology and the bi covenantal system that was more pro reform theology, I think it's even more disagreed with when the Torrance brothers start taking over from Bart. Welcome to the guilt, grace, gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Are you in the Orange County or Santa Ana area? We are exploring a church plant, Santa Ana Reformed, with the oversight and accountability of Oceanside URC and Reverend Danny Hyde. If you are interested or you know someone who might be interested in the area, please check out our show notes for a link to sign up for updates. Our Twitter or Instagram at guiltgracepod or Santa Ana URC for the same signup link or simply email us at santaannareformed at gmail.com. We begin meetings on October 28th at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Ana. Now on with the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Pactum. This is Pat Abendroth, and today we're going to be talking about the pre-tribulational rapture. I'm here today with Tim LaHaye and some other folks. Wait, Pat, wait, Pat. Wait, wait, what? Pat, what are you doing with my microphone? <laughs> How'd you find our microphone? I uh, have found guilt, grace, and gratitude on the campus of Westminster Seminary, California, and I crashed their party. <laughs> nice. How you doing, Pat? Doing great. Great to be with you. You guys have the coolest studio, I think, probably anywhere. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Under the under the Southern California San Diego sign. It is yeah. absolutely <laughs> awesome. Is it true this is the first episode you guys have recorded? together this is yeah. the very yeah. first episode we've recorded in person yes you, you guys have a great podcast i'm thankful for guilt grace gratitude uh, or as my son used to say our son owen i'm looking at my wife she's filming us but my son used to say guilt grace gratitude that's how i still say <laughs> nice fair enough no it's great you guys do a great job asking questions appreciate it great job having really solid guests on engaging their books so as a matter of fact i was running today i don't normally run i usually cycle i was running today in carlsbad listening to the latest episode i was edified inspired felt like rocky put my hood up <laughs> and, uh, no, you guys are doing a great job thankful for you happy to uh, have the pactum recommend uh, all that you guys do yeah absolutely Thanks, yeah and we we love the pactum i like the machin episodes i think if you, you you said it was boring i didn't think it was boring i thought it was great well the marching with machin series i think was good great content we love the good doctor but we were dragging a little bit, so we had to up it a little. So I don't know if you guys can identify or not, but earlier episodes were not quite as good as later episodes. Yeah, that happens. Boy, do we know. Yeah, we know. Yeah. If anyone's listened to season one of us. Yeah, don't listen to the first, like, three seasons. Or don't listen <laughs> to the first three episodes. I think you are three seasons in. Yeah. We're on season on, three. Move on from the first three episodes. We, yeah. we recorded on our phones. No, we we talked to our phones. Seriously, we recorded on our iPad. Yeah. We had an extra iPad laying around. We did not know what we were doing. Okay, and then we realized, oh, there's Zoom. You did a good job faking it, though. It's positive. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah. I listened to our first episode the other night while I was doing something, and I thought, oh no, 
what have we done? So, yeah. But, yeah. but content is good and it's good to have good content. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been a blast. But uh, yeah, how can people find you? How can people find the path to They can find us on Twitter if you're not sanctified because Twitter is a place to not be sanctified, <laughs> I find. Right? Maybe the opposite is true, but uh, at The Pactum uh, on Twitter or The Pactum Theology on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a website, www.thepactum.org. Would love to engage you and... Uh, have you be a listener and join us in what we call the Pactum verse. Yeah. And that, speaking of social media, that's how I first came across you. I saw your, uh, I think it was on Twitter. Okay. And, and your, your picture, your, twi your Twitter picture. Oh, I love it. This yeah. is good. So I was on <laughs> yeah. somebody's podcast not long ago and they said, Hey, can you give us a picture so we can post it and promote oh, yeah. it? And I sent them that picture. And the guy said, can you give us a different picture? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if the guilt, grace, gratitude audience uh, isn't aware, uh, my picture on Twitter is with Joel Olstein. And so uh, his bodyguard is there looking pretty intimidated or intimidating. He, he looked pretty intimidated to but me. I'm yeah. trying to look tough. Yeah, you looked pretty tough. Uh -huh. It was. A, it looked like, a, like a, there was some uh, tension. <laughs> there did. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's he was Austin's like oh my gosh Pat Abertrust. I, yeah, I keep looking at him. I was like I wonder what Joel Olstein is saying. And you you look like you're standing your ground. I was well. asking him for some recommendations for dental whitening. <laughs> <laughs> that's and about it. That's about all the recommendations right. I'd ask for. So yeah. maybe this is too much information. But I was preaching in a church in Houston, uh, and a friend of mine pastors there, and he said, "What do you want to do Saturday night?" And I said, "I don't care, whatever." And he said, "Well, you know." And this is a guy who's been pastoring there for some time. He said, we've always, the staff has always wanted to go to a Joel Olstein church service on a Saturday night, but we've never had the nerve. And we said, ah, Pat Abendroth is in town. <laughs> He's got the nerve. Right. So we went and then I said, why, why confront him overtly after the service? Because it's been done. So mm -hmm. let's come up with good questions to ask him. Mm -hmm. So like I said to him, something like if I were to get, I said, you have a, a great ability to get people to do what you want them to do. So if I wanted to learn how to get very people political to, way of saying it, yeah. If I wanted to have when Scott Clark's calling during, during <laughs> the recording, Scott um, Clark, Doctor Clark, it says, put him on speaker. It said call fail. <laughs> yeah. During our podcast, Doctor uh, Clark, we have three podcasts on right hey, now. Hey Scott, how you doing? I'm well. Where are you? I'm I'm recording on campus, and uh, I'm recording with the guilt, grace, gratitude guys. How about that? Say hi. I'm I didn't know you were doing that. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get out of your head. What, All right. Are you on campus? I, on campus, just for a short time. So, but I have some packed. I have some packed and merch for you. We're by the. We're by the uh, time clock. Are you here? Yeah, I'm right here. Well, come find us and join us. We're <laughs> Come over. All right. Okay. <laughs> Be the first time I've actually. Met Dr. Clark in person. In person that's right. <laughs> that's hilarious. So the Joel Osteen story was, how do you get people to do what you want them to do? Oh. And he said, you should uh, study Billy Graham, which is kind of sad. But anyway, yeah. we were respectful in a little confrontation. Yeah. Look who's coming. Oh, we got another hey. guy coming in and right we're, now. We're on the air right the now. The bad too. audio quality. <laughs> Are you live? And have you oh, never, yeah, have you right. ever met each other right here? Yeah. yeah you, no, you've you've never met him. Yeah. This is it. We've seen each other plenty of times. Yeah. And you've met Molly before. She's filming everything. Hi, nice to you. see you. This is me, buddy. You know this hairy <laughs> yeah. guy. And you said you Pull can't up a stay. Chair. I can't. No. Okay. In fact, I'm going. I'm going downtown to a uh, pro cop, pro firefighter rally. Very huh. cool. 
Oh, thank I you need, so much. You're welcome. I love that shirt. What? Uh, the holster company. Oh, nice. We the people holsters. Nice. A... I actually, I would, I'd like to wear. Um, oh, there's stickers and a card too. <laughs> he handed Dr. Clark some merch. <laughs> okay. You want me to take it off? No, no, no. I can. All right. <laughs> no, I have, I have a bunch and I'm going down to a rally and I'm just hoping we don't get hit the head. So that's nice. Well, since you popped in and we're on this certain chapter about Carl, Bart and the Torrances, do you have any <laughs> random comments? <laughs> if he says he likes Carl, Bart, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to edit this, right? Yeah, we are. I am. We'll pick J and choose. J.B. Torrance is the single worst historical theologian who wrote, who's written in the English language in the modern period. There we go. That's well, the episode. Bart actually, <laughs> Bart actually read some reformed orthodoxy yeah and actually had some knowledge and some sympathy hey guys the, the audio quality of this kind of shot out for us the internet went out for us but i'm going to include the very last little portion we had with pat abendroth of the patum so i hope you guys enjoyed the a little a little bit of fun on the front end so let's let's get back to this yeah it's been it's been a pleasure having you on even just for five minutes awesome and we'll see you next time on the pactum <laughs> We'll get back on track here. Now it's just Peter and myself. It's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast where we bridge the gap to reform Christian theology for your listening pleasure. This is a promises and fulfillments episode, and we are going through chapter 19, Covenant Theology in Bart and the Torrances. It was written by Mark McDowell, and we're going through the Covenant Theology book published by Crossway and edited and written by Reformed Theological Seminary. This is in part two, historical theology. And just as a reminder on some show notes on the episode, you're going to find some links to find a church near you, a Reformed church near you, to hopefully call home. That's the, the, the main hope of of what we hope that you guys could do is, is find a church to call home and worship in person. And then also there's a link to the society of reformed podcasters, other like-minded podcasts out there that we're a part of. And so we will jump into this episode and we've already heard Dr. R. Scott Clark have a couple comments about uh, <laughs> yeah. some sneak peek into this, this episode. So it's just Peter and myself, and it's actually, this is a also a unique episode, if you haven't could tell already, that um, it's the first one that we've recorded face-to-face -face in person. Yeah, we're, we're, kind of, we're here in the flesh. It's kind of weird. It's like post-COVID, we're allowed to be in person, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Keeping our six-feet distance, I guess. Maybe it's, maybe it's four feet. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, we're here in the beautiful campus of Westminster Seminary, California, right under some trees and outside. Yep, yeah. So I guess technically, too, we had two guests on the show already. Yeah. So we had Pat Abendroth or Abendroth. I guess there's a family feud on how you pronounce those two names. So, Pat, if you're listening, I'm sure you're screening at the microphone or screening at your at your phone. So you go, it's Abendroth. It is Abendroth. Yeah. Abendroth. No, so it's not. I'm going to say both <laughs> because I know there's a feud. But, yeah, we had Pat Abendroth of the Pactum. So if you guys want to go check out their show, it's a great show, well-produced they have a lot of a lot of the same guests we've had on our show too yeah uh so we're like-minded with them we preach the same gospel that they preach yep. so go find them and then dr clark we've had him on a bunch of times go find heidelcast and his heidel blog and if you guys heard it he was talking about jb torrance he was talking about 
uh, T.F. Torrance, who's the brother, and also Carl Bart, which are the three guys we're talking about on this episode. So just to, I mean, usually start this off, but I mean, just to start this off, in general, like, Nick, how do you feel about Carl Bart? Well, um, I don't know if I am the best person to ask, because I'll be really honest. <laughs> um, well, before I kind of go into how I feel about it, like before I read this chapter and and not being a lifelong uh, reformed Christian, I <clears throat> a lot of this stuff and these names are newer to me. So a lot of this audience, you guys know more than I do. So I'm just going off of maybe uh, this chapter and some conversations here and there. But Karl Barth, I think he had a respect for Reformed theology. Um, we, we could agree on some things, mm-hmm. but when he starts peeling back the onion on... Um, covenant of Works. Or- covenant of Works, I think he, he, he has a deep love <clears throat> and appreciation for Christ, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but Christ a lot, Christology on his part kind of wipes out Covenant of Works, it seems like. And yeah. he's, he seems like he's very universalist to me. Yeah, and that's that's the hard thing is with Karl Barth, you can read him charitably, yeah, and say there's a lot of stuff we agree with him, but we, like we like we really legitimately do as Reformed theologians. There's a lot of stuff you can agree with Karl Barth, but if you read him not uncharitably, but I think if you if you really interact with some of his work, um, like Nick said, I think it's it's perfect. His his Christology, just the study of Christ, if you want to think about it that way, Christ as a person and a divine being kind of consumes all of creation and it can come across if you're not reading it carefully it can come across as universalistic mm-hmm. which is how he was um kind of talked about during his lifetime there's a lot of people who thought like this leads towards universalism yeah which is not what he meant necessarily but it's definitely how it came across um so yeah and i think <clears throat> the reason why i asked that too is there's probably a lot of people on this on, who's listening, who are listening right now, who don't know who Karl Barth, or like they have like a passing yeah. knowledge of Karl Barth. They've heard about him. There's a lot of seminaries that use his textbook as, as um as very like standard stuff. Yeah. But it's good to like have a baseline knowledge, like some standards, some categories around Bart and a lot of his influence because he's still extremely influential today. Yeah, as far as the general Christian. Uh, family and audience i think he's uh fairly well respected and he's got a lot of people that still love what he's brought to the table and i have no doubt he's a true christian that's not even that's not even part of the conversation here it's more of um i think he has uh i think he's kind of disagreed maybe with calvin or the calvinists on some some uh things that were very yeah important in calvin's doctrines he was kind of instrumental really actually very instrumental in the calvin versus the calvinists yeah controversy which is that's actually funny that we like you talked about that because on thursday if you guys were following um our schedule we actually have two experts on calvin coming on thursday for their book calvin and calvinism where right. they actually interact directly with Bart because Bart was kind of this, like the starter of the Calvin versus the Calvinist school. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool that both of these episodes come out in the same week. So you guys get to hear from Bart himself and from those who know the Calvinist, the Calvin tradition as well. Yeah. And it, it just seemed to me that he had a disagreement with uh, predestination, um, whether I saw that clearly or not, but 
he I think he didn't like the idea of a legalistic uh, federal theology God to have a yeah. to have a more of a, a legal binding of elite or uh, elect people yeah. Yeah. versus um, I think what he wanted to stress on is the love the love of Christ coming and wiping out sin <clears throat> for all humanity and it kind of felt like to me even though he didn't say it, like uh saving literally everyone yeah and that's and the thing is we don't you don't want to too hard contrast love and covenants right because <clears throat> they, they really are the same thing but when you have effectively speaking one doctrine that consumes all your other doctrines that's where things start getting a little hairy and so sometimes yeah. for bart even though he has i think good theological categories in a yeah. lot in a lot of ways he allows one of those categories, namely Christology or the doctrine of Christ, his, his everybody being elect in him as the consuming doctrine, which yeah. we would agree that people are elect in Christ. The elect are those who are in Christ um, because of the covenants that was made with the father before all time that Christ himself fulfilled in the covenant of works. And he's given us entrance into this covenant of grace. So we would see some of the stuff. But when you have one thing consuming all other things, you kind of end towards Bart, which I think that's some of the stuff we're going to go through today in this episode as well. Yeah, and I think you can still very much uh, appreciate Christ for who he is and his incarnation and uh, who he is in the Trinity um, without wiping away the covenant of works and and without uh, wiping away the federal headship of adam because yeah. what we need to do is to know that christ fulfilled the old testament including the failure of the first adam yeah um and i i don't know if <clears throat> there's a difference of opinion on bart on that or because what i've understood from from bart's take is he he doesn't like the the overemphasis in his uh in his eyes of, yeah. of Adam being yeah. talked about so much. Yeah. The, the legal aspects. Yeah. And, uh, and so as, as we dive into this, you'll hear some of this stuff where Bart does see a pretty hard distinction between the legal aspects of the covenants and kind of in the, in, for lack of a better word, the loving aspects of the covenant. And so when he sees and he, like he, and um, Dr. McDowell interacts with a, a lot of Bart scholarship in this, um, where Bart talks about the fact that he's read a lot of the Reformed theologians, and he understands precisely what the Reformed theologians are saying, that there is this legal aspect to the covenant, undergirds the covenants. And very kind of explicitly, Bart disagrees with it. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't see that being a legal aspect. I, I see it being a more communal election in Christ, mm. which we'll get into that um, as Dr. I think Dr. Medell really in what was 25, 26 pages. I, I don't know of a better summary of Bart's theology and his influence than what I've read in these 25 pages. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, I think it goes an extra step or two further when you, when he introduces the Torrance brothers, uh, uh, both who were, uh, both Torrance brothers. So JB, uh, and TF. uh, TF Torrance studied under Bart. Yep. And so that's that's why these three are kind of related to each other is the Torrances are kind of the lasting influence 
of Bart. And Bart was the, the teacher of a lot of these guys that we have today. And so the Torrances were actually PhD supervisors in Scotland after after Bart. So McDowell yeah. doesn't get into this as, as much. But the Torrances are still heavily influential in a lot of their theolo- theological output today because they were themselves, as Bart was, a doc- like a doctoral dissertation supervisor. And so we still have a lot of influence through the Torrances, and the Torrances were influenced by Bart. Yeah. So yeah, let's dig in. So <clears throat> what time on history is going on with these three theologians? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Carl Bart, or you can call him Dr. Bart, whatever, whatever one works best, but he uh, he was a theologian in the early 20th century. So think I think he went to school sometime in the early 1910s, 1920s. So I think he was born in 1880-something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his exact date. I'm sure it's, it's somewhere in this work. If it's not, it's sometime in the 1880s, and he died in the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, so he was, I think he was around 80-ish when he died. But so he went to school in the 1900s, early 1900s, and then uh, was a professor from like the 1920s, 1930s on. So we lectured a bunch, had a, a lot of people under his his uh, dissertation supervising. Uh, but a big thing with, with a lot of these modern theologians, and you'll hear a little bit from Dr. Fesco next week on recent theologians as well, is they they do theology in a very specific context. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember the context that, uh, that Karl Barth is in as well. German theology, which you guys are hearing a lot more about this next week, is kind of at its, its highest power right now. And they're right around, right, I mean, post-World War I, and so things are kind of in flux. Um, Karl Barth lives uh, in, uh, in Europe, and so he's, he's doing theology in Europe. They were heavily impacted by World War One, they're in between these two big wars, and so we have to put a lot of his theology in context of what he's doing, and then he's teaching these other people as well, and especially the two brothers, both TF and JB, who are generally considered the best summary, and they push Bart thoughts a little bit further. So that's that's kind of the context that we're in, the time we're in right now. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, you said the the context of the the time and place that Bart was in when he built up his uh, theology. And actually, J.B. Torrance, the younger Torrance brother, has that same argument against um, the reformers. Yeah, yeah. Based on like how <clears throat> they were the in their context. Yeah, he's saying, well, they are basing theirs off of context versus direct biblical uh evidence yeah so it's kind of interesting that the, the argument kind of goes both ways yeah um and that's it's so as, as we go through go through this and even even the very first page so when you're if you're looking at your books page 401 there's a quote right in the middle of that first paragraph says so torrent so both technically jb and tf but he talks about tf right before this torrents would become the primary channel through which bart's theology would reach the english-speaking world and mm-hmm. another sentence after it's not the very next but the, another sentence after says these three theologians operate out of reformed theological position and taking them together form the most serious challenge to an account of covenant theology as it is articulated by the federal divines and taught in the post-reformation tradition yeah and so if that is that's a little bit confusing i would encourage you guys to listen to the, probably the last three episodes the one was the covenant and reformation thought we had with dr clark post-reformation we have it with Dr. Stephen Myers and then uh, Covenant Theology and Dutch Reform Context with, uh, with Pastor Denny Hyde. What they're talking about right here, so the Barts, so Bart and the Torrances took a lot of that thought and said, no, we're going to change it. Yep. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> something about Bart that kind of just, it, I don't know if explicitly was mentioned in this chapter, but it came kind of coming across to me is I felt this very strong overtone of being a universalist ish yeah even if i can add it's, but, it's hard not to think that yeah because um I, again i think he which which we all love focusing on jesus and, yeah. and christ is the center and the point of everything but it's but, almost like you can focus too much on jesus and that sounds weird yeah that almost sounds like wrong to say yeah but it's like if anybody in effect focus too much on jesus and it's like, well, yeah, the gospel is that Christ died for your sins and gave you his perfect righteousness. That's that's the gospel. But it's almost like it's only Jesus and nothing else. There is no works. Right. There is no humanity. We're all kind of subsumed in Christ. And maybe what I'm getting right. is the the way Bart sees it is the only way that God communicates with us through covenant is through Christ. The only way Yeah. versus, versus a bicovenantal system that we understand in covenant theology is you're either on the covenant of works through (laughs) Adam in Adam, uh, or you're under the covenant of grace through Christ. And uh, I don't think he liked that bicovenantal kind of system and i think that that disagreement with covenant theology and the bicovenantal system that was more pro reformed theology i think gets even more disagreed with when the torrance brothers start taking over from bart yeah i i think i think you just about nailed it that's that was probably better than i could have wow said it not too bad for a non-seminary student right (laughs) yeah so so yeah and there's a, there's a quote, I won't read the whole thing, at the bottom of 403, and there's some more stuff on covenant and election in 404. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, I think that if you can summarize Bart, which is hard because he wrote a ton of books and has a huge systematic theology called Church Dogmatics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you can summarize him, you can basically summarize him, like what Nick just said is, there is no other covenant besides the one in Christ. So we are all in covenant with Christ. And Dr. McDowell basically says that at the bottom of page 403. It says, God is a covenant-making God. But because God is who he is on the basis of his works, God's covenant-making activity in time, so think temporary like where we're at right now, reflects God's covenantal character in, in eternity. And then he goes on, in the person of Jesus Christ, we see God's eternal determination to make humanity. So he's taking this expansive view of all people, his covenant partner. And so notice what he doesn't say. Notice what Bart's not saying is Bart's not saying that there's a covenant of works in Adam that we have failed. And there's a covenant of grace in Christ who has fulfilled the covenant of works. There's only one covenant. Yeah. And in effect, it sounds like all of us are in it. Yeah, and I I feel like that's just a premature statement, knowing that look around the world, there's, I mean, we're not going to be in just one covenant uh, under being glorified in heaven. We'll be in that one covenant yeah. state of perfection. Yeah, once there, we're there all will be, yeah, there will be a single covenant. Yeah. But it's not now. No, exactly. Yeah. So maybe. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that almost has like a, a wrong a weird skewed eschological flavor to it um yeah that's that's a, that's a good point yeah 
Yes, Nick's on fire right now. He's, wow. well, he's <laughs> I'm, I'm on a seminary campus. Maybe it's just in the air here. Yeah, it's osmosis. <laughs> so I'm, we're telling you, if you if you go to Westminster, if you're just on Westminster's <laughs> campus by osmosis, all this stuff comes into you. I'm not it's pretty crazy. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that also his view of the Trinity. Yeah, he has some uh, disagreements with the with the reformers. Um, oh yeah i'm looking at, i think you're looking at the same page or you're looking at a page after i'm looking at page 405 but he's effectively going through the same stuff yeah i mean the way i think the way that we kind of phrase it and i'm never going to say this perfectly based on the westminster confession of faith like but just off the cuff i think that we know that the trinity the essence of god in the trinity has they have their own relationship uh God has his own relationship within the Trinity before creation. Yeah. I mean, he created time itself. Yeah. So it's kind of hard with knowing that hard to mm -hmm. think that he wouldn't know what's going to happen and who his children are. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. And I think what you're saying goes out what you know, McDowell was saying kind of in the middle, the, the last paragraph of 405. And so he has uh, three points in this last paragraph the paragraph begins this move includes a clutch of theological implications. And the first he says, election, listen to this, is constitutive of who God is. And so what I think, yeah, what Nick's saying is there's, there's this little bit of a wonky understanding of the Trinity, that God is not God in himself, but election turns that a little bit. And he, he, he goes on further. He says, second, election discloses who God is. Then he goes even further. This is of utmost importance for Bart because he wants to ensure, listen to this, that what we know of God, we learn exclusively through Christ. And that can sound kind of pious at mm. first, like a holy thing, like a cool thing, like a very Christian thing to say. When we say we learn exclusively through Christ, you're like kind of, you're collapsing everything into Christ. It's not like a... Every, a lot of the stuff we're saying sounds weird to say there's too much Christ, but in, in a sense, like it's not that there's too much Christ. It sounds like there's only Christ. So we see it uh, as reformed Christians that Christ is the fulfillment yeah. of all. And yeah. I think he's saying Christ didn't need to fulfill anything because there was nothing to fulfill, nothing to fulfill. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if there's nothing to fulfill, to my argument or my question back to him would be if there was nothing to fulfill, then why was he incarnated and have to suffer yeah. on the cross? Yeah. And the, the, so the second, the last sentence on page 405, I think says that pretty much exactly. It says third, because Christ eternally self elects. So think about that. There's no Trinitarian agreements in Bart's understanding, but he says Christ eternally self elects. So he's doing this himself. It's not God bringing a people, Christ purchases the people, which is what we say the reformers, and I think the Bible believes, to bind himself to humankind for the sake of covenantal fellowship. God is not bound to the kind of blind decree that Bart sees in the theology of the reformers mm -hmm. or their epigon. So what he's saying, which is kind of the stuff you're hearing, there's no Trinitarian agreement because it's just Christ. Mm. So we are all in covenantal relationship, not because he purchased us out of sin and death, but because we were already in Christ from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. 
So the covenantal relationship never changed mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah. And I also just knowing that God is himself and I am before any creation. So he's just as good as if he never created any of us. Yeah. So yeah. the meaning of God isn't that he um, necessarily he didn't he's he's not himself for the only reason of saving us yeah yeah. i mean god is who he is and out of didn't have to out of love and grace and for his for his divine purposes he made creation out of love yeah and we should just be grateful that we've been created um and knowing that unfortunately not every single soul uh past present future is saved i mean it's in the bible that hell's a real place yeah yeah so yeah and i mean to further to as we move into the to the next session, I think there's another a sentence that kind of crystallizes this and says says this very precisely. It says most obviously this is right in the middle of 406, right before covenant creation. It says most obviously the traditional reformed account of two people. So think covenant of grace, those in the covenant of grace, those in the covenant of works. So those under law, those under gospel. So those are the two peoples that he's talking about. Those who are elected to the covenants and those who are rejected from the covenant. So again, think covenant of works covenant of grace he says is now in bart reconceived christologically so that all humanity is embraced in a single covenant of grace Mm. so there's nothing that has to be fulfilled there's no two peoples there's no those who failed so everybody's failed the the covenant of works everyone everyone has fallen under the law but there's now the covenant of grace has been fulfilled for you for us that we are in because of christ's obedience to the covenant of works so we get that but what bart is saying is no 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 there's no kind of covenant of works we are all in christ which again goes back to nick's first point like sounds a whole lot like universalism without saying universalism well and then there's no law gospel distinction exactly and and it's providential like dr clark locked up his, <laughs> yeah. if you want to get law him, gospel guy if you want to get him fired up on any day uh then just uh, <laughs> exactly mention to him that you don't think that there's a law gospel yeah i'll tell you right now a little <laughs> joke if you want to get retweeted by law, dr clark just say have something to do with law gospel you will get a <laughs> you heard that that was that was pat Avendroff. <laughs> yeah. he was he was uh he was he was giving us the the two fingers i'm just kidding he was <laughs> he, he was uh he was saying keep it down the, we're recording in, in the most uh on campus that's uh, right seminary the school. most reformed way you can possibly do <laughs> yeah. it on campus at westminster seminary california so yeah the law gospel distinction is is he just wipes out the <laughs> the covenant of works pretty much so if it uh, we have a little bit more of a gentle response to Bart where he, he has some good. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Good stuff. But I think it just gets, it, I think it just goes downhill from there. Once yeah. the Torrance brothers come into play. Well, yeah, it comes downhill, but I think this, this really kind of solidifies what we've been doing throughout the season. Oh, hopefully you guys have been listening to it and, and hearing this emphasis. If you lose or don't have a category of the covenant of works, things get a little wonky. You, you're not terribly sure what is Christ saving me from or kind of to expand that has Christ saved me from anything that I need to be saved from anything or even expanding that further. Was I ever outside of Christ? Cause it kind of sounds like 
nobody was ever outside of Christ. Yeah, and it sounds an awful lot like modern false churches and false preachers out there that are saying that we are born good people. Yeah, a we bit. don't have sin. We're all good. We're Which all I know, perfect. I know Bart does talk about sin outside of this, like on a lot of other works, but it kind of does get a little muddled when you don't really expand that covenantally. Yeah. So we're if you guys love Carl Bart, uh, we don't want you to all of a sudden start saying us hate mail. We don't. We're not saying that we uh, find him a, a terrible theologian or he's non-Christians. None of that. There's just kind of objectively clarification by comparison, just explaining what he thinks versus the Reformed way. Why we yeah. would disagree. We have love for him. I'm sure he's in heaven right now. Yeah. But I think the Torrance, especially the younger brother Torrance, he. Um, I probably have a little less patience on, on his uh, responses. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I think this is this is a good segue into the to the section of covenant creation. This this expands a little bit. <clears throat> this is this is a little bit shorter, and then covenant reconciliation. So we'll we'll kind of blend some of these together. But if you if you were if you are if you were an attentive listener, and as you were as you were hearing some of this stuff, you might be wondering, okay, so if we're always in Christ, is that true from creation? And then Bart's answer to you would be yes. That's true from creation. So effectively, like covenants, even though we would agree, covenant is a creational thing. Right. So Adam was created in covenants with God. But what Bart's effectively saying, and he says it in some of these things, um, he's there, there was no distinction so that we're all in covenant with Christ from creation. Yeah. And he goes, I mean, even he says a little bit further too. Um, it, it, this is top of 407. He says, in one sense, the covenant is given historical grounding in creation. But in another sense, one might worry that the goodness of creation is not found in the act of creation itself, but only with the onset of the formation of the covenant community. So it makes you wonder, too, with all of this stuff, and this goes maybe further than the reason we need to go, is was creation created good or did it need some like extra help? From the covenant, even though we read in Genesis one and two that when God finished creating, He called it good. It was good, and then it was good up until the fall, and then post fall. So, so good. Go back to real quick. I remember you mentioning it. Uh, it's it's mentioned a few times on our past recordings, but something really good to remember. There's no way to get into heaven without achieving the covenant of works. Yep. There, and then cross one of those off. There's only two ways to do that through yourself or through Christ yep. and cross one of those off there. Of course, <laughs> yeah. it's not through ourselves. Yep, yep. There's no way that us post fall of Adam, because we would have done the same thing as Adam. Uh, break the obedience with God. There's no way that we can get to heaven on our own covenant of achieving covenant of works. We can't. We're born into Adam. We're automatically sinners. And then, but the only way is through Christ born again. Yeah. So there's the only, so Christ himself uh, achieved the cover of works on our behalf. And that is the covenant of grace. So, yeah. And um, yeah, towards in the middle of 408, he, he's talking, there's, there's a couple, couple interesting quotes from Bart, but I mean, effectively the, the, the nuance from, from Bart as, as Dr. McDowell is, is summarizing it is Christ is reconciliation. That's which we would agree with. We, we would say, yes, Christ yeah. has reconciled Amen. us to God. Amen. There's no question, but you attach that to what Bart has been saying before this, where all of humanity 
is in Christ, then you start wondering, where are you going with this? And even this last, this uh, first sentence of this, of this last paragraph from 408, the scope of God's reconciling work is also expanded to include all humanity. So Bart doesn't say he's, but again, further and further along, as we get to the Torrances, you're wondering like, what, like, do you have a distinction between yeah. those who are not in Christ and those who are in Christ? So he's going against his own argument because if we're all automatically in Christ, but yet we know some fall to sin and go to hell, then doesn't that mean that something happened post faith it's a faith plus something yeah so he's actually going back to a faith plus works which he had a problem with works in the first place yeah because he's saying the only way to keep yourself out of hell is we're all on the same page in christ in the beginning and then you have to do something extra to stay in christ yeah and this and this i think this is a good segue into i mean really kind of the the bulk of the chapter as we get to the torrents towards the end yeah. But Bart and Covenant Theology overall, because there's a couple names that you guys have recognized if you listen to past episodes, one of them being Johannes Kuseus, right at the top of 409 after it says Bart and Covenant Theology. And so he, he really is kind of going right after the heart of Reformed Covenant Theology. And even the next sentence is Bart's next move is to examine the achievements of federal theology. He's really talking about some of this stuff. And at the end of 409, the last paragraph says, in short, the followers is what um, Bart was saying. In short, the followers of Calvin flattened biblical history and made Christ one part of the whole. Right after I read that, I was like, isn't that exactly what you just did, Bart? As you yeah. flatten all of biblical you history yeah. into Christ. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of a weird thing. I was like, you see that in reformers, but that's really what you did. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. He's going back to his what he was arguing against. Yeah, yeah. And then towards the top of 410, it says, as we have already observed, Bart resists any statement that divides the history of the covenant into two histories, one that pertains to the elects and the other that pertains to the reprobate. And so, and then he further develops this. And so Bart's reading the reformers. Yeah. He's reading them. He's interacting with them. He just disagrees with them. So he may not understand them fully, but he just disagrees with them. So right in the middle of 410, says, on the other side, on one side, he places the theology of Zwingli, Bullinger, and Calvin, who, to, who together hold to a position on the covenant that appears very close to Bart's own position, namely the covenant described uniformly, unequivocally, and exclusively as a covenant of grace. This is on the other side flows the other ones, Melanchthon and Ursinus. And Ursinus wrote the, uh, or was majority author of the Heidelberg Catechism. And he's saying, well, there's the early reformers who got it right. He's not reading them well, but he's like, oh, they got them right. There's no covenant of works. It's just covenant of grace. But it's those who came after Calvin who got it wrong and mm -hmm. split covenant history and said there's one covenant of works, one covenant of grace. So he's he really like really popularized the idea that Calvin was against or the Calvinists were against Calvin. That's right. Yeah. And um... he, he, he talks more and more about it. He names other theologians, Amandus Polonus, mm -hmm. who, uh, who if you guys haven't heard of him, there's there's no worry because none of his works are out that are translated. Yeah. Although Lexham is working on a big translation of systematic Johannes Willebius, who uh, we've had. Uh, other people talk about him before. Dr. Clark's talked about him a little bit. Uh, Reverend Hyde's talked about him a little bit. So he's he's really going after 
those early reformers who only had one covenant and those later reformers who took that idea and said, there, no, there are two covenants. And so uh, right in the middle of 411 says framed this way, Bart senses that this federal iteration aggravates in the believer a constant state of insecurity and anxiety about where, where one stands in relation to God. So I kind of wonder, I was I'm thinking of your thoughts too. It kind of sounds like Bart is struggling with his own assurance. It, it, it kind of sounds like he's placing this in somebody else and saying, well, I can see how somebody else feels about this, about the covenant of works and covenant of grace. But it kind of sounds like this is an inner struggle for him too. We're like, how do I know that the covenant of works was fulfilled on my behalf? Yeah, and it's, it's always hard to speculate on what someone's feeling in, in their own. But yeah, through his his theology, maybe that could come out. And I think he just has a poor law gospel distinction, um, which is alarming to say because obviously he's brilliant. I yeah, mean, this guy is, and, and he's definitely a Christian. So, oh yeah, it's kind of like baffles me how he misses such a big thing of the law gospel distinction. And I think what it comes down to the core is, I think he has a big issue with predestination. Yeah. So the the interesting thing is, he's known as the guy who taught. It's, it was this thing called the central dogma, and he's known as is kind of as coining this term, the central dogma. And he said for a lot of reformers, it was predestination. And he, uh, he kind of does go after it, but even though it sounds like that's pretty much all his theology is we're all predestined in Christ. He doesn't say that. He says we're elect in Christ. Christ has reconciled us to the Father because we're all in the same covenant with him, which is effectively the same thing as saying we're all predestined in Christ. Yeah. He doesn't label it that stuff, but he says, oh, I'm, I'm against a lot of this. I'm against a lot of this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think towards the end of, of Dr. McDowell's um, reading of Dr. Bart or uh, of Carl Bart in 413 and 414. Um, I think he does it. He, he kind of, kind of threads a strong needle. We say, Hey, we should be critical. A lot of Bart's thought on covenant theology, but we should all, there's a lot of good stuff Yes, and in, in, in Bart's theology. Sure. Um, Cause he does say, and it is true. Covenant really is central to Bart's thought. Yeah. It's a slightly different nuance. Not slightly. It's a very big nuance between his covenant theology understanding and our covenant theology understanding. And so we do have to have some understanding and some appreciation that he really did popularize for the 20th century, the early 20th century covenant thought. He really did. Um, it may not be the nuance we wanted to have, but it was still this, these talks were still happening. Yeah. And kind of looking at the uh, middle of page 425, where it says uh, TF and his brother, J.B. Torrance took Bart's interpretation of the covenant and extended his reservations and criticisms yeah. in specific directions. Bart vexed the theology of Calvin's post-Reformation heirs. T.F. and especially J.B. Torrance saw Westminster theology as the logical conclusion of a Reformation theology that betrayed yeah. its original intention and teaching. I want to keep my voice low because I'm on <laughs> Westminster Seminary campus. And if someone heard that, yeah, like, we're going to see Dr. Clark just storming down, <laughs> storming Isn't down the hall. Crazy, like JB Torrance had a big issue with <laughs> Westminster theology. Yeah, that's and towards the end of uh, four thirteen, and and I'll, I'll move on from this after that. But he he says this very specifically. What what ought to have caught attention especially in the section on creation and covenant in Bart is the conspicuous absence of Adam in Bart's reading. There is nothing 
He doesn't interact with it. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't develop it. And then he says, what are the implications of this? By removing the covenant of works at the bottom of 413, Bart's Christology appears to have, to have absorbed the role traditionally occupied by Adam. Yeah. This involves a number of serious consequences. And one of those being that post, he misunderstands both pre and post reformation understanding yeah. of the covenant. He's saying, what are you guys doing with this covenant works? We kind of have to look back and say, what do you do with Adam? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for you guys that are <coughs> maybe newer to this terminology, uh, you're probably just like, why do you keep saying covenant works? What does that even mean? If without yeah. saying go and listen to some earlier episodes, <laughs> yeah. I'll just answer like, we just need to know our separation from God yeah. from in the be like starting off, like knowing that our sin is in the way of perfect relation to God and and works just means that there pre fall there's perfect standing between Adam and God mm -hmm. with, without sin entering the picture. Once sin entered the picture, it it um, tarnished, tainted, destroyed the relationship um, between God and and man, and that that separation is sin. So yeah. we must know our sin to know that we need a savior. Yeah, yeah. He was given a, a mandate in Genesis two. Do not eat of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil for when you do, or if you do, depending on how you translate it, you shall surely die. So there's a mandate. And then what does Adam do? Well, technically he's not the one who pulls it from the tree, but he allows this serpent to come in. Cause he was also told guard and keep Eden. He's the prophet. Yeah. Make sure, Eden. make sure this place stays free of the presence yeah. of anything else other than the Lord. And immediately he fails Genesis 3, 1, because we hear that the serpent comes in, tempts Eve, she eats, and then Adam eats. So it has, yeah, disastrous consequences. That's, that's the covenant of works. Yep. Now we have to fulfill perfectly what Adam failed to fulfill himself. And we are born in Adam, guys. Like, we would have done the same thing. So don't yep. think, like, this guy a long time ago has <laughs> nothing to do with me. Like, we, if he did it in a perfect state, we would have too. Yeah. And, and we're born in sin. So we are... Yeah born outside of christ in the flesh yeah you need to be born again through the spirit or holy spirit in christ <laughs> yeah and um and, and towards what nick was saying too as, as we get through as we get as we follow through the torrents so in effectively speaking we can go through a lot of torrents but what the torrents kind of do is take bart and push it even further yeah, yeah. they say okay so bart said this let's see if we can't strengthen that yeah. a little bit further and even as dr mcdowell says this is towards the bottom ish of 415 they both the torrance brothers participate in an interpretation of the post-reformation tradition so you think like 1550s to 1650s that sees it as a defection from the warmer and more pastoral and exegetically grounded theology of its pioneers mm -hmm. and so they're saying effectively if you cut out the covenant of works the christian faith becomes warmer and we're thinking Either you have to go one of two ways, either everyone's elects. So what on earth is the points of preaching, of evangelizing, of going to church? What, like, what's the point of doing this stuff? And what was the point of Christ becoming? Exactly. What's the and, point? Yeah. What's the point of Christ coming in? And if you have a Christology uh, emphasis like Bart does, then that actually has a 
reversal effect. Yeah. Because if there wasn't a need of Christ, if everyone's saved already, you're downplaying what he did on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he goes, he goes further into this and he, he talks about the, the federal legacy of Calvinism and Scottish theology and all of it. And you guys can see this list in 416, all of these damages to the church. Cause, and it, I think it's, it's a, we have to be charitable. I think it's a good desire to see strong morals in the church, to see people yeah. further and further aligned with the spirit of Christ, to be obedient to his word. But they go, they say, well, what we need more is we need more of grace, but you don't understand grace. If you don't understand works, yeah. you don't understand what you're saved from. If you don't understand what that thing is that you were saved from. Yeah. You don't understand day. If you don't experience night. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know, and that's, that's what we see the, the gratitude element moving from Christ has fulfilled the covenant of works on your behalf. He's not only given you a clean record, he's yeah. given you a perfect record. And so we live out of this perfect record, which it seems like the Torrance is they're, they're, they're I think they're genuinely concerned with moralism, with making sure that we're staying on the straight and narrow, Yeah. but the straight and narrow, it's hard to be straight and narrow. If you don't know how we've fallen from that straight and narrow before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what Dr. Clark was saying when he came in too is just, I mean, we're not, we're not attacking them. I think as people, uh, necessarily, uh, or maybe even Christians, but I think they're, especially JB Torrance, his theology is, is pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think he does, he does the natural thing you do when you strengthen kind of wonky theology. Yeah. Which, which he got from Bart. And he took, he didn't take the good from Bart. He took the bad from Bart. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't focus on the things that we could all agree on with Bart and like try to use that to help maybe bridge the gap with some differences. He took the things that we disagree with is also almost like a, like, let's, let's, let's see the even more. Maybe there's a better <laughs> separation with the reformers than, than yeah. is already there. And as, as, as we kind of head towards a, a close on the, on the torrents as, as they're, as they're kind of developing their theology, I, I laughed at this, this, uh, this sentence. So it's uh, for or the last paragraph of 417, the first sentence, mm -hmm. I, I laughed at this. So if you guys, I'm sure you'll, you'll laugh at this too. Torrance was further troubled by the bicovenantal schema. Oh, yeah. So the two covenants, because he sensed again, it's, it's hard not to laugh. Yeah that it contained a soteriological weakness, think salvation, think yeah. salvation weakness, namely that there is a lack of mediator between God and humanity in the covenant of works. And you're like, huh? exactly. <laughs> Did I read that right? <laughs> yeah. That's precisely what covenant of works means. Yeah. That there is no mediator. And he's like, well, that's the, that's the trouble with it. It was like, that's exactly why we need the covenant of grace. Yeah. I, it's amazing because these three individuals, I don't doubt that they are really smart people. So it's just amazing that they're missing the mark on some of this stuff. Um, yeah. In our opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is not, again, we're, we'll stress to this. And Dr. Medell, I think does a really good uh, job of, of stressing this. We're talking about a specific element of their theology. We're kind yeah. of nitpicking on yeah. some of the specifics of their theology. Yeah. There's some of their stuff that's good that you should be reading yeah. on them. That's what I mean. We we don't want to we want to be careful how harsh we are, even though there's criticism yeah, yeah. and disagreement. Like we're not saying they're the uh, the most horrible people ever, and they're not Christian. We're just yeah. saying, hey, there's some like weird things that might be pretty important to point out here that 
yeah helps us defend our and clarify our doctrine in our faith too yeah and some of the weirdness continues the last paragraph of 418 right in the middle says when torrance brings christ's person and work together as closely as he does the incarnation again thing this is this is the advent of christ when he was born of the virgin mary takes on redemptive significance so we know in reformed theology the divine being jesus took on human flesh so became man on the incarnation that's that's the very points of the incarnation is the flesh the very true human nature added or the divine nature added to its human nature didn't mix them didn't separate them they're distinct but they're together that's what that's what had to happen for him to fulfill the fullness of the covenant of works he had to fulfill it as a man because it was for men yeah he had to fill as a divine man or divine being because only god can fulfill the covenant of works and so he's taking the incarnation and adding redemption to it which again a lot of these things a lot of these things sound holy yeah they sound good until you really dig deep because this quote it says by god taking fallen humanity upon himself he was redeeming notice what he's saying he's saying the incarnation is redeeming what is not redeeming or what is he not focusing on the cross the obedience the resurrection he's saying the incarnation was redeeming you see the incarnation i'm continuing the quote is already atoning and not merely his death it is an atoning incarnation the atonement is not separate from the incarnation and so you start seeing again they're collapsing everything they're saying christ humanity are collapsed incarnation redemption collapsed everything's collapsed this is what happens when you collapse all your theology and you have one single determining factor and how you interpret everything else sometimes it feels like we need a scalpel to separate some of these things because he 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 does say a lot of stuff that if you skim over is like oh that sounds really on point and good because I think we all we all know uh, Christ was begotten, and he was Jesus was Jesus Christ before he was incarnated, and there was the covenant of grace and redemption before his incarnation. Yeah, because he works outside of time. Yep. So past, present, future sins of man that are saved are nailed to the cross. Yeah. So the Old Testament people that were saved through Christ looked forward to the cross. Yep. Yep. And we here in. Uh, this time post cross are looking back towards yep. the person that well, yeah, we're looking back to the same cross they looked forward and, to. And and God works outside of time. He knows all this at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So the covenant of redemption kind of makes sense throughout the Trinity. That is our episode one. Yeah. Um so I don't know what I don't know if I'm agreeing or disagreeing with that necessarily, other than knowing that <coughs> we know Christ always had his purpose. Through the covenant of redemption, even before he was incarnate. Yeah, and that's and so again, as you guys hear, kind of as we as we move towards uh, towards a close of this, you'll hear kind of a consistent emphasis in their theology, which we're pointing you to, because we're not just saying, "Oh, bad on them, bad on them." We're saying, "Be careful." Some of these nuances uh, towards or towards the top of. 420 so his theological side of the covenant this is jb torrance the brother of tf torrance the younger brother yeah the younger brother so torrance not only considers the covenant in terms of god's relation to humanity 
but also wants to push the discussion of the covenants back into the doctrine of God. And so what J.B. Torrance says to the covenants to God, Bart does the covenant to Christ. And so he's taking yeah. kind of the same understanding right. and saying, no, covenant is a very, very aspect. Covenant with humanity is a very, be a very kind of core of who God is. We have to say, hold on, hold on, like wait up. No, that his as a relation with humanity is not core to who God is. There we go. We had an episode kind of like that before uh, with a guest that wrote a book. It was, it was mentioning along those same lines of the meaning of God in and of himself. He isn't to just uh, his relation to us. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like God is God. God is God. Yeah. Separate of us. Like he yeah. has his own greatness and perfection and that's, outside of creation. Yeah. And this this leads us towards. Yeah. And, then, and this is this is a lot of how they viewed humanity. So humanity okay. It was, was different than how reformers view humanity, who would say, yeah, that humanity is good in and of themselves, but they've broken, or not good in and of themselves, but they were created good, and then they've broken the covenant of works, and we need the covenant of grace to come and take us and to save us in Christ. And this is where they start separating these two things, or separating Calvin from the Calvinists later on, saying one was really good, one's really bad. Uh, and it's because what they... Uh, apply to the reformers really is applied to them. What do they say to the reformers? Flatten everything. That's a covenant of works, covenant of grace. When they're kind of not like taking an introspective look and saying, wait, what are we doing? It sounds like we're flattening everything into the covenant of grace. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, then, it's, and they further go, I mean, JB kind of, JB takes this a whole lot further yeah, than yeah. TF Torrance does. Well, yeah. Like I said, it goes from Bart. And then it goes further with TF and then the younger brother, JB, like takes it even further. And so I think that a good way to kind of put this all together is the bottom of page 425. Uh, Dr. McDowell says this chapter has tried to suggest that the theological complaints made by the Torrances rest on a series of theological missteps in their analysis of confessional yeah. orthodoxy. While their arguments do not prove convincing, they do give much food for thought for those who value the key elements of the reformed tradition to go thoroughly understand and clearly articulate the historic development of covenantal thinking, as well as the exegetical and dogmatic underpinnings that delineate the covenant of works, the covenant of grace and the intra-Trinitarian covenant of redemption. Yeah. Yeah. They give you, they give you a lot of food for thought and they really kind of make us, they make you wonder and be specific about what do you mean by covenant of works? What do you mean by covenant of grace? Yeah. What are we found in? And it's, and again, it's, it's being careful. I think as, as broadly evangelical, there, there tends to be some churches and reformed church happens too. where like one doctrine is really kind of harped on. Yeah. And I think a lot of like Calvinistic leading churches, it's predestination. Yeah, yeah. Everything gets lopped into predestination, which is effectively what Bart did. He says all of us are predestined into Christ. All of us are in Christ. There's other churches where everything's locked into love. God is love. Everything moves into love. There's others that it's all social justice. There's others where it's let's learn more about dispensationalism. Let's learn more about the different covenants. Like everything kind of revolves around one single doctrine. 
And if there's, I think hopefully, and I'm, I'm sure Nick would agree too, if there's anything that this chapter is like really kind of hammering on is don't let one doctrine color your cover or your reading of the word. It's let the fullness of the doctrinal development of the word help you understand. And you start from God, you start from God's relation in the Trinity. You start with God's relation with Jesus, with the son and with the spirit. They had this inter-Trinitarian, you guys have heard this before, so between the Trinity persons, this covenant, and it was to save humanity from their sins. From the very beginning, the father gave the son a people. The son says, I will buy this people through my obedience. And the spirit says, I will take Christ's obedience, place that obedience, that righteousness on to his people. And so what these theologians are doing is, no, 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 it's not how it works. Everything is collapsed into one. We're going to collapse everything into Christ. We're collapse everything, everything into God. Covenant is at the heart of God, which like you said, we can affect, agree with. Yeah, covenant is at the heart of God, but not covenant with the people. Yeah. It's covenant within the Godhead. Covenant is not God in and of himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's just the way he talks to us. Yeah, and that's that's how they have this. Um, it's there's a lot of fancy terms, but it's it's this interrelation of the Trinity. That's a that's a covenantal understanding of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, what a lot of these guys do, and hopefully you heard it through through this episode, is Bart, JB, and T have had some good stuff. Yeah. There's some good stuff within this chapter. They've, they've written a lot more than just covenants. Bart has a very famous commentary on Romans. Uh, it's actually pretty well worth reading. He, he knows his stuff pretty well on this. Um, but it's it's read them charitably, but read them critically. Yeah. Le like little, learn, yeah, learn like where their thought and nuance is. And we're all susceptible to this. So we're not pointing fingers and saying, oh, we're our position, we're and we're perfect. We're all human, finite, trying to figure out who God is in a, in a finite way. And I think the the how I feel about this chapter is just iron sharpens iron kind of, and that as uh, people that are brothers and sisters in Christ, we might disagree on some things, but what it ultimately should do is point us back to the word and the yeah. Bible so we can answer those questions because the Bible invites questions like these. And um, and not to downplay the uh, post-biblical theology books like this and the post-biblical theologians, but the ultimate source is let's go back to scripture. You know, let's go back and figure this out through scripture and help it be interpreted. And um, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, and that's so. I mean, Carl Bart has written so much. J.B. Torrance has written so much. T.F. Torrance has written so much. They're highly influential yeah. theologians. So this is a little bit of a snippet, but I, I do think Dr. Medell does a great job of understanding their covenantal thought in 25 pages. So, yeah. so hopefully this episode helped you guys understand Bart. And they like, again, even right now, these theologians are very influential. They might not be influential in reform circles or like broadly evangelical circles, but in a lot of kind of progressive liberal thought, they're extraordinarily uh, influential. And so it's not just to say like, oh, they're terrible, but like really, really, really dive deep, understand their thought, not just to say you're terrible, but to like really understand the relationship between how we understand covenant and how they understand covenant. Yeah. And I think just if you ever get in a conversation uh, with somebody that really is a fan of these three theologians, maybe just graciously go back to trying to figure out the law gospel distinction with them. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. So yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. 
again, thanks to our random guests yeah. earlier, Dr. R. Scott Clark of Heidelcast, also teaches at Westminster Seminary, California, and also Pat Abendroth of the uh, Pactum, and he's also a pastor in Nebraska at Omaha Bible Church. Yep. So yeah, if you guys if you guys haven't yet subscribed to their podcast, we definitely suggest uh, that you do subscribe to their podcasts, learn what they're doing. And next week we got Dr. Fesco yep. on recent theology. Yep. So, That'll be the final chapter of part two in this book. Yeah. And we also have Dr. Fesco on a book club. The very, so we have, we have a double dose of Dr. Fesco yep. in one week. Double dose of JV Fesco. Double dose of JV. And you guys can get even more Calvin and Bart and all that stuff on Thursday uh, this week with Drs. Truman and Gordon on a fantastic book probably hard to read straight through because it's humongous yeah they're very small words but it's a good reference work yeah goes through a lot of this stuff too so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week see you hey guys we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast guilt grace gratitude and we as we've said before we are bridging the gap to reformed christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world and how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and you, after you rate a review or instead of rate and review or doing everything all in once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are, are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. The yeah. And you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um, our social media links, it'll it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes. If you're on this podcast, this specific episode, scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes, and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating. So we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap, pay for shipping, get nicer stuff, all for the focus of spreading the gospel further. Yep, all for the kingdom of God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>